Hey, how's it going? My name is Gray, and I welcome you to another episode of the Gray Air Podcast. And today we have a guest from San Francisco by the name of Ferdinand Garcia. And Ferd is well known on social media as the guy who takes photos with a symbol saying, I am HIV. He actually takes photos from around the world when he's traveling. Uh, so I had to find him and find out the story behind this and it turns out that Ferd has been living with HIV for 13 years now so he does that to raise awareness uh, which I find really fascinating and I think it's brave to actually do that not many people uh, come out with their status publicly when they're HIV positive and Ferd is a financial advisor as well so we also talked about finances he gave a few tips and advice on how to save money which i really find interesting and uh, he gave some tips that i've never heard before or i never even thought about them at all which i find useful and i know that you some of you will definitely find them useful as well uh, so i will let you enjoy the podcast with third uh, and a reminder you can support the podcast just by subscribing on iTunes. It's the Grey Air Podcast. You can do it on SoundCloud as well. Uh, you can also share it on your social media or on SoundCloud. Uh, and you can write me a review on iTunes. I would really appreciate it. Um, it actually helps the podcast to be ranked more on iTunes, which is definitely what I want. So I appreciate your time for doing that. Uh, thank you and enjoy the podcast. Oh, you are okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you, my background, my background. I'm uh, as far as what I do for a living. I'm a financial advisor, so I I work with individuals to manage their money. Um, I'm HIV positive. I've been positive for 14 years, and this I'm HIV project. I, you know, I started. Um, I guess you could say officially about five years ago when I went to Machu Picchu. Um, you know, we went to Machu Picchu, we did the four-day hike, we hiked for 26 miles, and when we got to Machu Picchu, I took, you know, the iconic picture. Um, you know, the message that I was wanting to convey and the message that I, I'm still trying to convey is that, you know, just because you're HIV positive doesn't mean that you can't live a full life. And... Um, just as important, you know, I'm, I'm trying to help eliminate stigma that is still associated with HIV. So anytime I travel, I, you know, I try to take a picture or do something that is physically challenging or, um, you know, take a picture in a populated, crowded, um, usually touristy spot and try to raise awareness by you know, standing there for a few minutes with um, the sign that says I'm HIV. Like, we had a few people, you know, look at me, and actually a couple people took pictures today when we were standing uh, trying to do that video. Because um, I'm sure for a lot of them, they've never really seen, you know, someone taking a picture with a sign that says I'm HIV. So, uh, are you still, uh, have you, did you grow up in San Francisco? So I know you're, you're from the Philippines, but did you grow up in San Francisco? 
So my family moved to Chicago actually when I was 11. And so I, I technically grew up in Chicago. Um, I went to junior high, high school. I went to the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana. So I started, um, you know, I grew up in Chicago, went to college in Illinois, and I started working for the company that I work for now uh, right out of college. So I've actually been with the same company uh, for 26 years now. And it was in 1997 that I moved to San Francisco. And I consider San Francisco a home. Right. So you, you told me that you're not a citizen, an American I am citizen? Not a, <laughs> I am not an American citizen. Wow. Um, I actually just finally applied for my uh, citizenship. Um, I ended up hiring uh, a lawyer. I want to make sure that you know, nothing happens with uh, my application. Um, you know, what a lot of people don't know is that until about five or six years ago, if you are identified as HIV, the United States can deny entry or deny citizenship if you're applying for your citizenship. And so until Obama, until Barack Obama changed the law, I was you know, reluctant to apply for my citizenship because I didn't want the U.S. to find out that I was HIV positive and then have my uh, citizenship be declined. So I'm in the process of um, getting uh, my citizenship. Um, they told me that the process should take, you know, six, six to nine months. And I'm hoping to get it done just in case uh, the law gets changed. So... Exactly. So, but a lot of people don't know that, you know, with the United States that at one point, if you were, if you are HIV positive and they know you're HIV positive, they can, they can decline entry for you. So, so when exactly did you, uh, did you learn that you were HIV positive and uh, how, what was your reaction? So I found out on November 18th, 2002. Um, it was a pretty uh, shocking uh, diagnosis for me. Uh, I was, you know, I was uh, before when I first moved to California. I got involved with an event called the California AIDS Ride, where you ride your bike from San Francisco to LA. So immediately after moving to California, I got pretty involved with the HIV community as far as fundraising raising money and raising awareness regarding HIV. So before I became positive, you know, I knew what you were supposed to do and I knew what you were not supposed to do. And after five, you know, after living in San Francisco for five years, I became positive anyways. So to say the least, I was, you know, I was shocked. It was not something that I was expecting to happen. But again, because it is something, you know, because there's no cure for it and, and things happen, I, became positive. So that first year, I, I struggled with it. Um, I, it was not an easy uh, diagnosis to accept. Um, to be quite honest, I actually didn't think I would live five years. You know, 14 years ago uh, was when the medication was finally starting to change. But at the time, you know, people were still dying from HIV. And when I got my diagnosis, I, I didn't think I would... Um, 
live five years. So one of the things that I actually did was to mark my five-year anniversary, um, I decided to do a marathon. And I went to Florence, and I visited Florence, Italy for the very first time. And I did my very first marathon in uh, Italy, you know, because I wanted to um, make a, uh, I wanted a statement, you know, to myself saying that, hey, I did make it to five years. I'm alive, I'm doing well, and I ran a marathon. But initially, when I got diagnosed, I was not, um, I was not as op optimistic. So what actually prompted you to even go for testing when you didn't have a thought or suspect yourself that you'd even uh, be positive? At the time, um, I was dating two individuals and, you know, as a gay man, as a sexually active gay man, they tell you that you should test. So I was, you know, I was testing every four to six months. And it was just a routine, you know, routine scheduled test that I was going on. And that's when I found out that I was uh, HIV positive. So then uh, how does it, how did it work with your two partners after that? Did they, did they knew already? One of them knew already? Uh, no, neither of them were actually positive. They were both negative. And when I told both of them, um, one of them had a very positive reaction to it. He said, you know what, this is something that we will just work through. We will figure it out. And then the other individual that I was dating um, did not have a positive reaction to it and did not want to continue dating me because I was, or because I'm HIV positive. Um, at the time, because I was still trying to figure out what it meant to be HIV positive, I ended up breaking up with the, under, with the other individual that I was dating because I didn't feel comfortable, you know, I was still learning what it meant to be positive. And because of that, I didn't feel that it was right for me to be uh, dating anybody. So for a lot of people, for example, they hide the fact that they're HIV positive. How did you end up coming up and uh, telling the rest of the world, make it so public that you're, you're positive? Well, it was definitely a journey. Um, you know, the day that I found out, I actually reached out to five of my closest friends. And I basically said, hey, I just got this news today. Um, you know, I, I'm still learning what it means. I'm still trying to figure out. But you guys are my closest friends. And the only way I can get through this is with your support. So the day that I found out, I only told five of my friends and then eventually I started, you know, telling more and more people. Um, that year, I was, again, doing the, the ride, the ride that goes from San Francisco to L.A. So uh, that June, the following June, I ended up coming out on the ride as a positive peddler. And so over the years, you know, I, I, I would just start telling more and more and more people and really what uh, the most um, the most visible coming out was when I did Machu Picchu and I took a sign and I you know posted that on Facebook and on Instagram and so over the years I've I've tried to increase uh, my visibility by 
you know, raising awareness through social media and through doing podcasts such as this. So, for for example, the people that knew you before when you actually came publicly on Facebook with your first post that you're HIV positive, what was the reaction? Do you experience any stigma from some of them? Not my close friends. I, you know, I think living in San Francisco, um, you know, San Francisco has been in the forefront. Um, you know, it was one of the first uh, major cities that got uh, decimated by HIV. So, you know, HIV and having the conversation regarding HIV is 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 somewhat normal in San Francisco. Um, but yes, you know, back then, 14 years ago, you know, it wasn't as discussed as it is today. Um, but for the most part, in the you know, from the very beginning, my friends were very supportive as far as me coming out to them. Now, there were, you know, several instances where, as I said earlier, you know, if you tell somebody that you're HIV positive, that... Uh, they would not date you or they wouldn't, you know, they would not feel comfortable having sex with you, you know, but that's, that's, that's changed, at least in the Bay Area. Um, now, the woman that, uh, the, our guide today at the mosque, when we were telling her or asking her if it would be okay uh, for me to take a picture outside of the mosque with my I'm HIV sign, you know, her initial reaction when we said HIV, she was a little bit repulsed, you know, because she's like, when she heard HIV, she, her reaction was, ooh, what's, you know, like she had a negative reaction to it. But then when we explained and I showed her some of my pictures from uh, some of the trips that I've been on, uh, she basically came around and said, oh, okay. And when she realized that we were trying to raise awareness, she said, Oh, okay, that's fine, and you should be okay. And you know, she's like, no one, people will probably won't really understand what you're doing. Some people might, but she said, you know, to go ahead and that, and then it would be okay. Right. So, from uh, a somebody who is positive, just walk me through how the medication has changed since you got diagnosed, and when when once you started uh, taking medication, I'm sure. I hear stories about there, there have been a lot of improvements in the medications, but I just don't know how much or how often one has to take medication or go for checkups. And uh, like the other um, things that you have, you need to check on to make sure you're living a very healthy life. So, yeah, I'm, I've been on medication for uh, 13 years. And I've been undetectable for 12. So undetectable means that the viral load, you, you, you still have the virus, but it's at a very, very low level that they call it undetectable. I'm on two different pills that I take once a day. And, you know, in the beginning, the first uh, week and a half that I started taking medication, I, it was brutal. Um, I was bedridden. I had diarrhea, I couldn't uh, keep food down, you know, so so that first week and a half, it was really, you know, toxic, right, to your system to be taking this medication. But then after that, you know, the the, um, the side effects started um, calming down, 
Um, in the beginning, like the first few months, I would get really crazy dreams sometimes, or I would be nauseous. Um, you know, sometimes if I ate the wrong food, I would have stomach issues. But the longer I was on medication, the less uh, the side effects, you know, uh, became. So now, you know, I'm, it's, it's just routine for me to, you know, to take uh, pills. I'm, I'm pretty healthy. I, like I said, I've been undetectable. And what's great about HIV is that today, as long as you get on medication and as long as you, uh, you know, stick with your uh, regimen, uh, you can control HIV and um, you can get to that undetectable uh, level, which means you can lead a very healthy and normal life. Right. So, for do you miss any? Do you ever miss a day of taking your your pills? Maybe now or back in the day, at all? So, in the twelve years that I've been on medication, I probably have missed maybe ten or eleven times. So I, I'm pretty, you know, I've. I, I stick to my regimen pretty pretty rigorously. Right, and, and do you feel any different when you you don't take the the pill for the, when you miss the pill for the day? No, not really. Just because again, I've been on the medication for so long that you know the medications in my system. So missing one every six months, it doesn't really affect you. But I, again, I think you know what's important is that when you get diagnosed. It's important to get on medication, and it's important that you make sure that the medication is working for you. You know, because sometimes there are different combinations that you can still take, and you just want to make sure that you know the the combination that you do take works for you. Because sometimes it doesn't. Does that make sense? So for me, you know, I get um, I get my blood work done um, anywhere from three to six months. Uh, you know, just to make sure that I'm undetectable, just to make sure that my liver liver is functioning properly, um, and you know, they check for all the other STDs. So I try to to make sure that I see my doctor um, every four to six months and get all my blood work done to make sure that I'm I'm healthy. Right. So since you're uh, public about your uh, HIV status, do you? Uh, I think the right way to question this is how do you know many people that are open to tell you that they're HIV positive, but they can never come out uh, in public? I think most people that I know don't publicly share their status like I do. Um, you know, people, men in San Francisco, if you're... Um, you know, if you're about to have sex with somebody and somebody asks you what your status is, most men are upfront and honest and and share what their HIV status is. Oh wow! But as I, you, I had no idea. <coughs> San Francisco and and I think New York City and a lot of the larger cities, you know, most gay men are pretty open if you ask them what their HIV status is. Again, that's you know in the cities where HIV has been has been a, an issue. So those cities and the people that live there have, have grown and learned um, 
and have matured and evolved. Does that make sense? You know, but that doesn't mean that's how it is all over, you know, the United States. Um, you know, if you go in the South, if you go in, you know, different parts of the country, somebody asks, you know, somebody would be very surprised if you just flat out asked them what their HIV status is. You know, it just really depends on on where you are and, and you know, what, what country. Uh, like, as I mentioned, you know, today, you know, I was a, a bit nervous um, taking a picture with my IMHIV sign. And that was the reason why we asked the guide if she thought we would be safe if I, you know, had a sign that says IMHIV in the middle of the, uh, the mosque. And she said, oh, you should be okay. You know, I mean, there's been plenty of times where I didn't feel completely uh, safe taking out my IMHIV sign. Um, I was in Rio last October, and we were at the Christ Redeemer uh, statue. I don't know if you've been to Rio. Okay. But you know the, the Christ Redeemer statue, right? It's a big statue of, okay. And so, you know, it's a very uh, touristy um, attraction. There's a lot of people there. And originally what my intent was to take a time-lapse video of me standing um, you know, with the uh, Christ Redeemer statue behind me with my sign, and I wanted to take a time-lapse video of me just standing there and having people walk, you know, walking all around me. But because there were so many people there, and because I don't speak Portuguese, I didn't feel comfortable, you know, doing that. So instead of doing a time-lapse video, I basically just took the sign, you know, to put the sign out, had my friend take it, and then that was it. But the one thing that I did do in Rio that I've, I've been wanting to do was hang glide. So um, we jumped off of one of the uh, um, mountains in Rio. It's at 6,000 feet. And we took a picture with the sign with me hang gliding with him. Right. So uh, how do you seem to be traveling a lot? Uh, how does that <laughs> work with your work? How structured is your work in, in the ways that you get to travel as well? Well, you know, I'm very lucky. As I said earlier, I've been with this company for 26 years. Um, but when I travel, I still work. So I probably worked a couple of hours today. You know, so I'm never really truly on vacation unless I'm completely unreachable. Um, one of the things that I promised myself was that you know, when I became HIV positive, and since I thought I wasn't going to be, you know, that I wasn't going to live five years, I said to myself, you know what, I'm going to go on two big trips a year. And so, you know, uh, since 2002, I would try to do two trips a year. And then since 2012, when I went to um, Machu Picchu, every time I go on these trips, I try to raise awareness regarding HIV. So my work is pretty flexible. Um, you know, I've got uh, a good number of clients. I have, I have about 300 clients, and a lot of them I've been working with for a while. And a lot of them know that I'm HIV positive, and a lot of them know that when I travel, I try to raise awareness. So they're pretty supportive of it. Um, at the same time, they know that if they need me, you know, as long as I'm reachable, um, you know, they can get a hold of me and 
we can discuss things if need be. Right. So just uh, give me a little bit of um, an idea of what exactly does a financial advisor do? Like in this case, what do you do exactly? So the, the two main goals that I help people reach are uh, retirement, right? So I manage uh, their money. I tell them, you know, how much money they should be investing, what percentage of their income, and you know what type of investments, whether it's stocks, mutual funds, ETFs, alternative investments. So my responsibility is to uh, talk to clients, uh, basically educate them with the different types of investments that are available, and get them to invest and save money so that they can get to their financial goals. Right. So, um, for example, what would you advise a a 25 year old (laughs) (laughs) my biggest for somebody who's young is to develop the right savings habits okay Um, you know uh, and the reason why I say that if you don't know how to save money when you're making let's just say $20,000 a year right yeah if you don't know how to save money when you're making $20,000 a year you're not automatically going to know how to save money when you're making 25000 a year, right? You need to develop the right habits. Because what, what I see is that, you know, I run into prospective clients who are now in their 30s and 40s and are making, you know, a lot more money than what they were making before. But because they didn't know how to save when they weren't making a lot of money, they didn't know how to save when they were making a lot of money. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It totally makes sense. So, yeah. So, you know, at 25, just start saving, you know, just a small percentage. And I always recommend a percentage. So ideally, you know, I tell my clients that you want to be saving 10% of your income, right? So if you're making 20000 you save 10%. So that if you're making 40000 you're still saving the same percentage. You're just saving a higher number. Oh right, Makes yeah. Sense? Yeah. So instead of putting on a number, say save a thousand, then that means if you're making twenty thousand, you still save a thousand. I think the percentage way actually is a very good way of thinking about it. Exactly. So it's incremental. Right. I think as as your income grows as well. Absolutely, and that's why you always want to base it on a percentage as opposed to a dollar amount, right? Because if you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year and you're still saving as if you were making $20,000 a year, then you're not really saving enough. Right. So then what do you do with money if you're saving? So we invested in different investments. Uh, a, lot of them, a lot of the investments that I manage are mutual fund type investments. And depending on you know, the client's risk tolerance, um, you know, how, if they're how conservative they are or how educated they are, um, you know, there, there are lots of different types of investments that, um, that we work with that um, I can recommend to them. But that's the easy part. You know, the harder part is getting people to save the right amount of money. Uh, okay. Um, but then who qualifies to reach at the level where they could actually put their money in investments? Because when that, those uh, buzzwords come out, uh, it make it sound like you actually have to 
have a lot of money to be able to go into investments and all these other things but i'm blank about like when do you actually start and uh, how much of a risk it is well i mean at 25 right you always want to save for the longest goal first so for example at 25 if you start saving for retirement right you can start small and as long as you start at 25 by the time you're 65 you would be okay right because the one thing that you have on your side at 25 is time if you wait to start saving for retirement at 35 now you're gonna have to put more money away because instead of having 40 years to retirement you only have 30 years to retirement and one thing that you cannot make up for is time does that make sense uh, absolutely yeah. so yeah, so when you're young, you know, you could you could start by only putting away 1% or 2%. But because you started at 25, you know, you have the flexibility of starting at that small percentage. And then as you get older, right, keep adding a percentage until you get to that 10%. Right. So for some, for someone like me for example i'm not certain on on where i want to be i want to live in the next two or five years or ten years i don't know exactly where i would want to live but i'm sure that it's not in the same place that i'm living now um, is there a system to help uh, that uh, that kind of person in the investment um, type of side, side? <laughs> i i think that you know the this, the number one advice will still be the same, which is get used to saving. Right. Right. Um, I, again, because you don't know where you're going to be living, have flexibility with the investments that you make. You know, I, you live in. In Cape Town. Okay. So, you know, I don't really know how flexible investments are. I don't know if, you know, you can take, I'm assuming you can take that money with you wherever you go. You know, there's certain rules that, you know, how much you can take out of a country when you leave a country. Um, you know, but because your goal is to travel, then I would probably, you know, make sure that you have short-term savings so that when you travel, you have that money to fall back on. Does that make sense? Yes, uh, it does. You know? Make sense, yeah. Yeah. And then as you get older and as you realize, you know what, I really like living in... Let's just say you went to the Philippines and you realize, you know what, this is where I want to be. Then at that time, you know, instead of saving more money for the short term, now you can start saving money for the long term because you know that that's where you want to live. Right. Right? Yes. Yeah. So for someone like yourself, you know, when you still have a lot of question marks, it doesn't change the fact that you should, you should develop the right savings habits. What changes is where the majority of that money is going to, right? Yes. And then as you get older and as you get more established and as you, you know, as you have more concrete plans, then you can start putting more money away for retirement. You can start putting money away so that you could buy a house, right? If you end up having kids, then you need to start putting money away for college education and so forth. Right. Actually, I want to leave in in San Francisco, but it's crazy okay. expensive there. <laughs> it's it's really absolutely awesome. expensive, yeah. Have you been? No, actually, but that's like where I, I, I plan to live one day. 
Well, I can tell you all about San Francisco. You tell me about San Francisco. What happened? What is it like? <laughs> is it all these uh, hyped up um, things that we see in, um, in on social media or TV shows? Is it all true? I, I think most of it is true. You know, <laughs> um, it's well, the one thing that I've learned um, is that I I can never live anywhere that's not close to water. Oh. You know. Yeah. Um. Uh, there's just something about being close to water, you know, water, and having a view. San Francisco is absolutely gorgeous. Um, you know, people are pretty liberal, which I think is is very important. Um, you know, I could not, I couldn't live in a city where I couldn't be who I am. Um, so as a gay man, you know, I I could live in big cities, but I would not be able to live in a city where I would have to. You know, be careful about how um, people might perceive you. Does that make sense? Exactly. Yeah. Um, the weather is great. You know, we don't have extreme weather. Growing up in Chicago, you know, you have crazy winters and very humid summers. And in San Francisco, you know, it gets cold enough where you wear jack, you know, where you can wear jackets, but it doesn't get so cold that you know you can't leave the house. Right, um, so I think the weather's great. Uh, the food in San Francisco is amazing. You know, I've I've learned to appreciate good cooking and good food because of living in San Francisco. Uh, so when I travel, you know, I'm always trying to find, you know, local good local cooking and local cuisine. Um, and the other great thing about San Francisco is that. You know, you can drive two hours, an, an hour north, and you're in wine country. Uh, you can go um, uh, four hours to the east, and you'll hit the mountains. Right now, Tahoe is getting record-breaking uh, snowfall. So if you're into skiing or snowboarding, you know, you, dro- you drive four to five hours away, and you're up in the mountains, and you can go and enjoy all the winter uh sports that are available if you go south you hit uh santa cruz monterey carmel you know which is absolutely beautiful i mean there's just so many places you know uh three to five hours away from san francisco right and you do you hike there there's tons of hiking um that's funny that you 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 mentioned hiking because now i'm gonna have to start hiking because I am going on a big hiking trip uh, in the fall. I'm going to hike for uh, 15 days. I'm going to hike to Base Camp Everest in the fall. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's pretty hardcore. And I saw your, your photo on Kilimanjaro as well. You did Kilimanjaro, right? I did Kilimanjaro. It will actually be two years this February that I submitted Kilimanjaro. Wow. Uh, you ever been... To Cape Town yet? I have not. So this trip that I'm on right now is my second time to Africa. The first time was when I went to uh, Tanzania. And as you mentioned, I uh, climbed Kilimanjaro and then spent seven days in a safari. So this year, um, I'm on this trip. We're going to Marrakesh for three days tomorrow. And then in 
two and a half weeks and two weeks I leave for Sri Lanka and the Philippines so I'm gonna spend a couple days in Manila 11 days in Sri Lanka and then uh, four days in Cebu in the Philippines um, and then we're actually also going to do um, a four-day hike in Kauai in July um, hike the coast one of the coasts in Kauai Wow. In Kauai? Yeah. Why did you choose there? Um, a friend of mine um, is celebrating a birthday, and so we're going to Kauai, and there's a beautiful, gorgeous uh, uh, three-day, four-day hike that you could do in Kauai. I've been to Kauai before. I've just never done this hike. So, And since I'm doing that big hike, in the fall, this is a good way, you know, to train for that hike. Right. What is it about travel that you like? You like the most? That what what makes you know to settle at one place and just live there? Well, you know, it's um, there's a quote that I read a long time ago that says, "I am not the same having seen the sunset from the other side of the world." Yes. It's a great quote. I just you know, forgot exactly who it came from. Yeah, I like it as well. Yeah, and you know, like, I think I was very fortunate that um, my family was able to uh, uh, move from the Philippines, you know, when I was 11. And so it was very eye-opening to leave your country, you know, the country that you're born in, to a whole different country that was completely different. You know, Chicago was very different from the Philippines. And then from there, you know, um, growing up, you know, we traveled to Wisconsin, to Iowa, to, you know, the different surrounding states, um, you know, uh, where I grew up in, in Chicago. And then in college, you know, we went to Mexico, we went to Florida, we went to uh, South Carolina for spring break, you know, so as I started, you know, as I got older, I would, you know, do a little bit more, a little bit more and go on different trips. And my first international trip was when I went to London, you know, so as, as you, as I grew up and as I started to get a taste of traveling and seeing different cultures, it made me, you know, want to continue to travel. And, you know, when I became HIV positive, um, you know, one of the things that I love about traveling is that, it's, is that it gives me the ability to travel and also um, the ability to be able to raise awareness. Um, so just the last question would be, so if you, for, for people that ha are HIV positive and they know, but they aren't public about it, what is it that uh what's the difference or how does it help to live your life uh publicly uh in terms of being hiv positive so how, my how my goal help? my goal ultimately is for hiv to be a non-issue you know so if you if you meet somebody and they say oh by the way i'm diabetic right most people will be like oh okay great yeah, yeah. Today, that's not the case with HIV. You know, 
um, there's certain parts of the world that the only people that they ever know that are HIV positive are people that are either dying or already dead, you know? So my goal is to normalize HIV. So if somebody finds out that somebody is HIV positive, it's not a big deal, that there's not a, a negative reaction to it. You know, as I said earlier, you know, this the, the guide from uh, the mosque today, you know, when we said HIV, she made a face and she went, ugh, you know, because she didn't really fully understand what we were saying. Yeah. But then when she realized that we were trying to raise awareness, it changed her attitude. And, you know, she was like, oh, that's that's great. And that's not a big deal. You know, so the more people um, come out with their HIV status and the more comfortable they are, you know, it, it, it really will change how everyone else around them and the rest of the world see HIV. Right. Thanks for your time, Fred. I really appreciate it. It's nice chatting to you. Well, you're welcome. And when you come to San Francisco, make sure you let me know. Sure. Uh, do the same when you come <laughs> to Gibson. Uh, it's a very great city here. You will enjoy it. It's on my list. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Greg. Cheers. Bye.